Welcome to What If. I'm your host, Karim Mustakni, and today we've got Vijal Ray with us. Vijal, welcome. Hey, Karim, hi. It's a pleasure. Pleasure talking to you. Uh, absolutely. Vijal, you're, uh, Vijal is the founder and CEO of Embol Technologies. He is the former head of Continental Europe of uh, the billion dollar company Infosys, and he's leading the global clean coat movement. That is correct. What does that mean? I, I have this this serious belief that software is going to be in our bodies in the next five years. And I do not want that to crash as often as a smartphone does. So I think just as how software is solving humanity's biggest challenges, uh, it finally has reached a point where it has to be of good quality, if it has to be sustainable. And I think that's where uh, I have seen, I'm a, I'm a I'm passionate software product enthusiast and user. I'm a power user. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think I'm a great developer. Okay. Uh, and I and I really get frustrated with with some of the best applications uh, and their software glitches. And so I, I've, I've taken that forward when when entire ecosystem like self-driving cars, self-driving planes, nanobots, you know, fixing cancer, which are going to be in our body. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I get very nervous to imagine the piece of software that's gone into that firmware. Right. And that's why I believe we really need to get into the mission mode okay. to build clean code. And that's why I'm passionate about it. Wow. How does your company and both technologies work? So we're building, we've built uh, a very powerful multi-dimensional software analytics platform, which helps companies improve the quality of the software. Mm-hmm. Uh, imagine Grammarly for code. Okay. Just going to be simple. Yeah, that makes absolute sense. Um, and if you now imagine and go back to when you got into tech, how did you get into tech? And then you also moved to Silicon Valley, I believe. And tell us a little bit more about that. So yeah, so true story. Um, I got. I'm an engineer, so I had. I'm a telecom engineer, so I was working in the telecom industry, setting up mobile networks. And then late in the '90s, I had. Um, I was out of university, setting up mobile networks. When a few of my colleagues joined this this startup called Infosys. And true story, I wasn't. I didn't have a vision there about tech. I just said, "Hey, this is a great opportunity for me." to go to California from India. This is all in India. Mm-hmm. The money was good. Um, the office was was great. The perks were, f- were fantastic. That was the only reason. It was, there was, I had absolutely no clue of the impact that technology would make before I moved to Silicon Valley. Okay, I understood. And when was the, which year was that that you moved to Silicon Valley? 98. 98? Yeah. How, that was like before the dot-com. Yep, I was there. <laughs> I, I experienced that firsthand and it was, it was, you know, I was a kid in a candy shop. I was still very, you know, imagine, a, you know, I graduated pretty early. I was mm-hmm. uh, and I, you know, when you're 19 or 20 and you, you're, you're in Santa Clara or San Francisco and you see companies getting funded billions mm-hmm. of dollars just because they changed their name overnight from selling milk to selling milk.com. <laughs> and and it, was, it was crazy. It was just, um, I could see... I could see I, I that time, you know, you never you never realize what's happening unless you look behind. Mm-hmm. And it was fascinating. I saw some of the most lavishly funded companies go up in smoke mm. uh, because they didn't have a product. But 
on the other side they were they were giants that came out of these mm. um, of of this you know the rose like phoenix like giants like Google mm. you know during the crisis Google was formed right so right. so it's it's it was it was very very fascinating. Oh wow! Okay, so it felt like the gold rush, probably right. Gold rush, disaster. I could see. I, I could. I had friends who had bought extremely valuable sports cars mm. on their stock options, right? Which went up overnight, and mm. these guys left their cars in the parking lot, took the flight out to the countries they were in. So it was really. Oh wow! Very very interesting, especially in San Francisco and San Jose. Okay, how was the company culture back then? Like, was all everyone was so enthusiastic and wanted to work hard? Or yeah, yeah, I think that's something that that Silicon Valley has always always been famous for, and that was true. I mean, mm -hmm. just because the ideas were either ahead of their times or the ideas were ahead of the curve, because a lot of these ideas would probably do very well today. Mm. They relied on a solid, powerful broadband infrastructure, which wasn't there then. But all the all the infrastructure that was created to feed the first boom is what is driving these billion-dollar unicorns today. So, okay. I think that's something that that America has always, especially Silicon Valley, has very hardworking engineers, very creative. Uh, even though the ideas may not have been successfully viable, but you saw some very enthusiastic. Mm. Uh, uh, crowd of engineers. So yeah, it was very inspiring. Wow. Then what happened in 2001? Were you still there or did you leave? Yeah, so, so the crisis came in and then I moved to Seattle, mm -hmm. um, uh, getting into uh, working for more stable, large companies like AT&T yeah. uh, through Infosys. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was a bit, it was, it was calmer. And then through my former employer, uh, I came to Europe. Okay. Uh, to head up the European business, and and that's my story. And that's uh, how you also stayed then in such yeah. a day in Europe. Yeah, I came to Frankfurt uh, because of my former employer. Mm -hmm. uh, grateful to them, came here, and I still didn't have the idea of starting my company. Then I was just happy growing mm -hmm. our business, enjoying Europe. Uh, I'd never been to Europe before, that, right. except airports. Right, right, sure. So yeah, I mean, I, I really. Um, enjoyed my time uh, moving here and no regrets since. Sure. But wasn't it back of your head to build your own company at some point or? I think somewhere in the back of my head, yes. But mm -hmm. Prima Facey, I was always known to be an out-of-the-box thinker mm -hmm. in Infosys as well. Some people who couldn't see it found me uh, crazy mm -hmm. or some found me to be loud, mm. trying to get visibility. Uh, but others saw that things that I wanted to do within my unit, I wasn't, mm. uh, was was different. And I took on the most challenging programs, most right. challenging geographies. That's how I came to Europe. Sure. I would be very happy sitting in the States. Absolutely. So, so yeah, I think I've always been someone who's not happy with the status quo. Were you always as a child even? Or how did it start? Was it from your family or? No, I think I come from a very normal middle class family okay. in India. Okay. Uh, it's just, yeah, I think it's just me. I'm never happy with the status quo. I always um, explore things of, you know, areas of doing things differently. Okay. I still do. Right. And that so, also makes you happy, right? Yeah. It, it In a bizarre way, it does. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That sounds great, though. Yeah. So people say you should calm down, and uh, but I just can't, I just can't sit still. You're not a restless person. You're I am curious, and I, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm not saying I'm, I'm like Elon, but I was, I chuckled when I read this remark 
on a recent Elon Musk interview where someone asked him, Elon, you'd never take vacation. Yeah. And he said, yes, I don't. Because he, I think he said in the last seven to 10 years, he said he's probably taken three days off. Yeah. And when he took those days off, one of them was when his rocket blew up. Shit. So, <laughs> okay. so he's saying I'd never take vacations. And I completely understand, not that I'm, you know, I, I, but I, I think as someone who's always curious and restless and right. I think, you know, we live in a fine, we have finite seconds on the planet mm -hmm. uh, and it should be used wisely to Absolutely. do things that you should, Absolutely. you know, you know, that's, that's what drives me. That sounds like the, the way you um, explain Elon Musk, that sounds more on yourself, more like a workaholic in a good way and not in a burnout, close to burnout rate. Right, right. I think I, I was a workaholic in a burnout way, but okay. now I've become, I still am a workaholic. Okay. But I do, I do take things easy a little bit on some areas where I have no control. Okay, fair point. That's that's very wise. Um, now to jump into our what if scenario, Vijal. Um, what if Silicon Valley was not built in the US, but in Europe? How do you think Europe would be different? And how do you think and everything would have been changed? So just, I know it's a big question. <laughs> we have to start somewhere. I think it would, one of the unique personalities of Europe is, is the way they look at standardization. Mm -hmm. I think that's a very, and this is how I differentiate Europe and America. In America, everyone is trying to disrupt the status quo, trying to make things more efficient, mm -hmm. trying to do things a different way, which is great. And often that is born out of a compulsion or a necessity. And that's that's what makes some of those entrepreneurs really, really interesting. Mm -hmm. Take the example of Uber. Right. And, you know, Travis didn't start the company just because he had the idea. He just was so frustrated with the cabs in San Francisco. Mm. And, and that's how he started. Might just make an app for black cabs to do that. Right. But he, he solved a very interesting problem, which is... Uh, which is the the demand from people like us to get mobility in a cheaper, faster manner. So he, he tapped into that potential. Right. So I think, whereas Europe has a couple of very good success stories, and I think one of the best success stories of Europe in the last 20 years is GSM, the mm -hmm. mobile networks. Right. You know, that was one great success where Europe Europeans got together mm. and said, instead of having different mobile technologies, which is which is expensive, proprietary, mm -hmm. uh, let's build a standard wow. and open it out. And today, every country, including America, uses GSM. Right. So I think if Silicon Valley came out of here, we would see a lot of very interesting products which would have global applicability mm -hmm. in a standardized way. I don't know if I'm trying to answer. Right. And that's one thing that's really that's good about Europe. Mm -hmm. it, it gives a lot. It could have, if, you know, conversely, if GSM didn't come out of Europe, you could have a company like Apple creating GSM and licensing it. So that's the difference, you know what I'm saying? It would be right. more standardized, it would be more equitable. It would, and I think it, but on the other side, you would probably have more art coming out of America. That's true. <laughs> you would have people probably happier in themselves. Okay. Uh, and that leads to creativity, alternative you know, sciences. Uh, so I think Europe, if Europe could foster a Silicon Valley, 
I sense it would perhaps even be bigger. I might, I might be very contentious here. Mm. Just because of the way Europe, where Europe is located. Mm. Today, right. if you look at America, it builds great technology yeah. and it sells it out to everyone in the world. But if you had Silicon Valley in Europe, you know, Europe almost is in the heart of the world. True. The access points and the reach might even be higher. Wow. And I would think companies, so Silicon Valley of Europe would potentially be more successful than Silicon Valley of America, just by that definition. Mm. Plus, Europeans do not have, or at least I'm hoping, assuming the same characteristics, have that sure. my way or the highway attitude. They have a very federated success story. Mm. So a lot of value, for example, that is still un untapped for Google or Facebook or even Apple in some ways is the lack of access to markets like China. Mm. And that is untapped value, which could increase the value of these companies exponentially. So they're trying to work with the Chinese government to sure. get open that as a market. Mm. I imagine Europeans would have a much fairer access in these markets, which meant they might have a bigger market for the Silicon Valley companies of Europe. And why do you think so? Because Just I think distance or also culture? Distance and culture. Okay. I think Europeans, because by the sheer characteristics of Europe being multicultural, multilanguage, mm. and the fact that I'm assuming sure. the war has brought everyone closer. Right. <laughs> you know, this is a very, very loaded question. Um, they have a far better acceptability in some geographies like China. Right. And you can see the success story. You see the success of Volkswagen in China. Right. Or the, or the, or the German car companies. Right. Or the French companies compared to some of their American peers. Right. Amazon still is not allowed in China. Wow. True. So, it, so I think, so imagine these Silicon Valley giants with just America, Europe, Latin America and, and India mm. as a market. And imagine Silicon Valley companies from Europe, in addition to that, a huge market like China. Oh, wow. So I, I'm just taking a sure. very, very hypothetical view, but I think those would be defining characteristics. Okay. Um, I think the, but then on the other side, Americans, you know, you'll have more art, more culture, probably a better work life, mm. probably universal healthcare, <laughs> more Bernie Sanders kind of prophecy, right. chill. Uh, wow. But yeah, but that could be a different strength that America could bring because that's that's the interesting thing today that on one hand, yes, Europe is lagging behind digital technologies and platforms versus America and China. Mm. Uh, but on the other side, and this is now thinking positively, I think Europe has something to offer and that's a proper work-life balance of society, mm. a model that's getting more and more important. Right. Right, mental health, physical Absolutely. health. And I think that's something that environmental. Uh, and I think that is something that Europe should really look at exporting mm. yeah, because you know, their strengths on it and strength and yeah because the digital race is lost right you know, uh, the, you know good or bad it's lost so okay. might as well accept it but then build on the next way which could be mm. uh, which could be health which could be environment which is so important as important and and these are multi-trillion dollar industries by themselves absolutely and absolutely. and taking that that example of of if Silicon Valley was here, mm. you know, Europe has an advantage of a wider acceptability mm. in markets where American companies don't because of the trade war or whatever. I mean, I'm not blaming anybody. Sure. It's just market dynamics. Right. And that is that is a strength they have. Wow. So that could be an opportunity which still can be availed okay. uh, if they act on it. Okay. Now, let's imagine we would look in that kind of scenario with the German corporates, just in the German market. How do you think the corporates with that Silicon Valley mindset would have looked here in Germany now, like the top five? 
I would say Siemens would be the Apple. <laughs> okay. I mean, they had they had everything going for them. Okay. Siemens had had infrastructure. They had a great brand name. They had handsets. Um, I don't know, but I think there would be SAP could be the Microsoft, mm. and SAP just missed the cloud war. Now they're acquiring and getting into it, uh, and you could have. You know, you could have some very innovative companies coming out of manufacturing, automotive, mm. industrial engineering, robotics. Uh, yeah, I think uh, Germany still has, you know, it is still a global leader in different industries, right? Chemicals sure. and automotive. But the these whole dynamics of these industries is changing with industrialization, mm. with with the whole digitization, with, right. uh, with, with platforms. And I think that is what could have happened. True. And what about the banks? I, I, I mean, yeah. I mean, you could have Deutsche Bank being the J.P. Morgan or the Goldman Sachs. Mm -hmm. You could have had Commerzbank Bank being the Challenger Bank, but right. uh, they've lived with their own parameters, so I understand mm -hmm. their own constraints. Right. Uh, yeah, and and they have. I mean, why not? German companies sure. are market leaders. Germany is still, I believe, and I could be wrong, the net ex largest exporter in the world. Mm. So. The, the DNA is there to export world-class services, world-class technology. But I think there is, there is no will mm. and there is complacency. Okay. And there is a lack of will to change and try. I see. But uh, which hopefully should change. I think they're trying to do something, but it's, it's a tough one. Yeah. Okay. But if we go back a few centuries in Europe when all the innovative companies are coming out of like, uh, as you mentioned, SAP and back then Siemens and all of them. What was different at that time that they were so innovative? I mean, I have a biased answer. I think okay. I think a lot of these were run by engineers. Okay. <laughs> I, I still believe engineers, scientists, doctors, they are the people who change the world. Uh, unfortunately, in Germany, that doesn't seem the case. It seems like lawyers and... and um, financial analysts. And what do you think is the difference there between those two groups? I think the fundamental goal to move things forward. I think, I, and, and, I, and, I, and I will be challenged, but I think engineers still, you know, especially if, you know, it's a great German education system, you know, you're mm. great, great university, great education. You should have people building underwater cities, as I say, right? True. Uh, but they're building an app to help people park. Mm. It's good. Right. But is that what those great smart education systems are all about? They should be mm. bold challenges, which is just not visible. Maybe it is happening, but mm. it's just not visible. They should also be, maybe they're doing it. Right. Maybe they should market it better. Mm. Okay, okay. That makes sense. So you think that all the skills they have are not really used in the way it could be used. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, the skills, the capital, the infrastructure is, mm -hmm. uh, it's like you have all the ingredients to build a beautiful Ferrari. Right. These guys are happy building, a, I don't know, a, a small, boring car. Right. And just leaving this untapped potential uh, behind. And I think that is, that is not... That is not helping them reach their goals. It should happen. There should be mm -hmm. some creativity. The animal spirit, I keep saying, should be unleashed. Okay. I, I see a I see a bit of this in France. I see a bit of this in Spain, but I mm -hmm. struggle to see this here. 
And what what do you see in Spain and France that is different to here, to Germany, for example? Crisis. Okay. With the massive unemployment, lack of opportunities for smart people, mm. you know, fundamental human behavior. It is... Uh, Pressure is higher. Right? Yeah. And I, I, you know, I, as much as I hate this, Germany needs a bloody crisis mm. to get people back on to realizing their potential. Right. There's no crisis. Everything is very comfortable. I see. I see. Do you think that's going to change? Do you think... Yeah. I mean, look at Germany, the way it was built was after the war. Mm. That's where, you know, this country was destroyed and the way mm. it fought back like Japan is unbelievable. Right. There was no, that's when it was being run by engineers, mm. not by CFOs and chief legal officers and people, um, you know, who are needed, right. very important, right. to run and keep the status quo. Mm -hmm. And that's a decision people have to take. Do we, are we happy with the status quo and, mm. which is fine, it's a decision they take and they should be respected. Or, it's time to disrupt the status quo and take us to the next level, which mm. is happening in America, which is happening in maybe France as well. Sure. Yeah, you see so many, so many great startups going out of France. Okay. But really, we're not accepted. Is but, it also because they help each other more? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the other thing. I think helps. there is there is an ecosystem of startups helping helping one another in France. There's an ecosystem of start you know, strongly in Silicon Valley and China, mm. but that's not seen here. I mean, I have rarely seen the successful German startups working with local startups. They when they, they go big, they just start thinking they are they are a Silicon Valley company, which mm -hmm. is good. I mean that's great. Right, but then right. you you unless you pay it forward, mm. how do you drive the ecosystem? That's a good point. Um, now looking forward, beside the crisis, what do you think should be changed in Europe in general to get Europe back on track? And not to copy Silicon Valley because I don't believe in that, but to focus on their strengths. I think Three things, very simply. I think regulations should be lessened. I think is, I read a saying on Twitter uh, that in America, you have startups that create the idea and then regulators figure out how to regulate them and sometimes they can't. In Europe, the, the, the environment is really proud how much they regulate the startups. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And that is a challenge because you cannot, you cannot regulate innovation. And that is something I find very, very odd in companies. I have a process for innovation. Innovation doesn't have a process. Innovation is go hack, figure out, solve a problem, fail, go back, fail. Do you, do you think if you take that and bring things like example like Amazon, mm -hmm. do you think even at that big scale, they're still keeping that mentality company culture of Oh uh, Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, if you really look at Amazon's, you know, that's a great example of product development mm -hmm. of a company that's orders of magnitude bigger than any German company. Mm -hmm. They still launch new products on their platform. And I just read today, uh, Amazon India is a huge market for them. You know, I just came up on my feed. Yeah that they're going to start selling movie tickets. Oh, wow. And if you see how they think about the, the customer, and that's what Bezos really does, think about the customer. And he's, they probably have data to see that 300 million people are buying tickets online. Right. Amazon doesn't care what they sell as long as they have a margin. Mm. Ticket for them is a commodity. Right. If you're selling, they see 300 million tickets being sold on a monthly basis, on a daily basis, they see this is 300 million into $10 a ticket. That's a 3 billion transaction that's happening. Maybe there's an opportunity. Right. And it's usually someone who's 
comfortable using an Amazon and, and digital customers. So for them, just like how they buy their groceries or they book, you know, throwing a ticket on yeah. the Amazon app is perfect. And that's how they innovate. They just, they're not afraid to try stuff and fail. Right. And they've launched products they've failed. Right. You know, and even Apple people, you know, say Apple is a very, very safe, but they try stuff and they fail, mm. but they improve. Right. So that is the culture that should happen. Google, Google does that, creates a lot of products, doesn't work, right. kills it. Okay. Learn from it, build something new. Right. And that's how you move forward. Okay. And now coming back to those three points that you mentioned that Europe should do, uh, two and three. So I think the, so the, so the first is ease the regulation. Second is I think pay it forward. Mm. I think it's it's not you you. I'll take an example. Europe, you're a deep tech startup. You go to a tax company in Germany. Mm -hmm. So you know I'm a deep tech startup. I'm from your neighborhood. Right. I think I'm solving a problem which might help you. Do you want to try us out in your biggest problems? 95% of the time, it's not going to happen. It happens in some places. Like okay. Munich has a cluster yeah. where BMW and Siemens work with some of these startups, but it's not as deep as it is in America. Mm. And I'll take an example. Um, uh, JP Morgan has a program where they identify innovative companies, tech companies around the world mm -hmm. very early on. Right. And they invite them to New York. Right. Literally invite them to New York for two days to spend with mm. their technology management all over the world. Wow. And they give them an opportunity to work with them. This is, so they've been doing this since 2009. Okay. Companies have started it now. It still doesn't work in Germany. Uh, and they have companies who have gone there in the infancy like Cloudera, wow. like MongoDB. These are companies that have gone on to be billion dollar companies. Okay. Uh, because they've had the opportunity to try the technology on scale and learn. Mm. Uh, so that is what, pay it forward. I think the culture is not there. So regulation, pay it forward. Uh, the third thing I would say is risk incentive, risk capital incentive. Okay. I think it's it's almost a crime to make money in Europe. It feels like. Okay. If you look at if you look at the infrastructure in Germany, I'll say because I live here, or even in other parts, it is if you work for a big company, mm. you have social security, you can take you know, you can get credit from the bank. Right. The moment you leave that and you become an, you become a founder and you create jobs, your employee has better social and credit backing than you as a founder. Okay. So literally, it almost like we hate founders and we will tax the shit out of you so you go back and work for the big companies. So these three things are completely the worst. I mean, in US, you start a company, you make losses, you can write it off against your taxes. Yeah. That's why VC <clears throat> industry is so popular because, you know, they get, if you invest, that's risk capital and you, mm. you know, you stay in for a couple of years, you get massive tax benefits. Mm. It's not tax benefit. Essentially, you, you have a higher cut of your profit because right. you went in with full risk. Right. And that's not here. Right. The government wants to, they, they just have this, and this is a philosophy. It's not right or wrong. Maybe they, sure. they're saying we have to tax you because then we give you but they don't have the same rules for founders as they have for employees. Right. So it's almost discouraging. So I think these three things, if are aligned and someone really takes some bold steps, and that's why I, on an outlier, think UK, if it leaves Brexit, if it leaves you, whenever that happens, Joe, yeah. uh, might try those things to make it a you know light touch, investor-friendly, founder-friendly, and... I think that's somewhere deep inside me that worries people in, in, in Brussels. Like, oh. It's almost like, what the hell? Right. 
it's almost like you're going to be penalized for being more business friendly. So. And that's that's the thing that has to be solved. And it can be solved. These are all solvable problems. Right. Regulation, solvable problem. Paid forward, solvable problem. Easy. Uh, tax environment, solvable problem. These are simple stuff. Because anyways, if you put money and you lose money, the government has nothing to win. Mm. And the amount of money being invested in startups is still minuscule. Okay. But it feels like we need the pressure to get to those three points probably. Or, more. or some leaders. You need a visionary leader, an inspirational leader, a political leader who's who understands this, who has come from the ground, who knows the pulse. I think some of the people are just there to keep status quo, which is also good. Sure. I think in the world, I think Europe is really, uh, Germany especially, is still very stable, is very attractive. It's, I think, I was reading one of the most popular countries for people under 30 to come. Oh, wow. It's beat in America. Uh, so it's doing something good. Right. But in addition, if they add some of these, then it is unbeatable. Okay. Now let's look at the big corporates right now in Europe um, and all the change management process they have to go through currently and digital transformation and reskilling their employees. And even if you look at the automobile companies, right? I mean, no one in my generation buys cars anymore. So they have to probably think about different business models. So what do those big corporates have to do especially to not get disrupted at all? I think um, my perspective is these big corporates will survive. I mean, if someone says Mercedes-Benz is going to die, they're just okay. wrong. Mm -hmm. These are great brands. You know, they will reinvent themselves. They will live forever. BMW will... Re so they will change their profile of companies. Okay. Maybe 50 years, BMW and Mercedes are the biggest, I don't know, mobility software platforms on the planet, mm -hmm. making money because they do certain things really well. Right. But what is going to happen on the other side is the industry that depends on them is going to get affected. It's even a car. Mm. People don't buy. There are, there are two double, there's a double whammy that's, that's hitting the automotive industry. One is the number of parts in a car is shrinking. Like, you know, from an internal combustion engine car having 1,000 parts to the new electric car or the other hydrogen cars, so you're going to have a handful of parts. Mm. So each part, imagine, is an industry. Right. Like 100 million cars being produced. Someone needs a valve. They have a small company in middle Germany building valves, best valves in the world. Mm -hmm. But now that goes. Wow. So you're essentially That's... affecting 1,000 micro-industries, mm -hmm. which is what Germany and France, all these manufacturing industries depend. You know, the economies thrive. It's not because Mercedes for one car substantiates wow. so many different towns and families. Now these are going to get disrupted. Right. Because... It, Modern Mercedes-Benz will not need so many parts. We'll need a bunch of software. And for them to change will be difficult for those. They will change. I think they, they will change. They have great brands. Okay. They will become more profitable. This okay. is my... No, I mean the smaller middle shot ones. Yes. And that is what worries me. Because yep. I was reading that up to 40% of the German industry, German GDP is dependent by these middle stands, 40%. Oh, wow. Okay. So if that is hit, that's going to have a problem. Hmm. But then... If it can be this, this, this disruption can be reskilled. You know, these are very, very skilled, specialized people who can be reskilled into, I think, space technology. I think that is the next frontier. Mm. Uh, and Germany has great infrastructure. Europe has great infrastructure because they have that experience of, of of manufacturing. I think interplanetary travel is going to be the next automotive race. It's going to be called spaceships. Those are mm. those are going to create employment. And I've I've seen this uh, in Florida, for example, near NASA. Okay. Uh, what they have done is they've taken, they're taking a rundown shopping malls. Okay. Right. You, know, you have small towns in America. Every small has a yeah. shopping mall. They don't make money. 
Right. So through government programs and with NASA and SpaceX, they're converting these shopping malls into micro factories mm. and giving contracts to small, medium shops saying, you build, say, this part of the spaceship. Mm. You know, you don't need to build millions of those parts. Right. We will train you, build it right next to NASA. So they're converting them into micro factories. Wow. Which is great. Absolutely. And then they are giving these people expertise. Mm -hmm. Now these micro factories, these guys will become experts in building, say, this component of rockets. Right. So they are actually building the next middle shards of America. Wow. So what I feel is these people who are good in manufacturing these wonderful cars, wonderful trucks, mm. could be reoriented to build space technologies. And I think that's another area where Europe should invest in. Mm. Manufacturing-driven efficiency, um, the next space war. But who could lead that? It could be led by, just like, I mean, I mean, people thought no one could lead space, but now the biggest innovation is coming from private players like Blue Origin, mm. Elon Musk. You know, why doesn't Hasselblad Hassel, Hassel use his money and spawn the next space company? Oh, I see. Why don't these five rich billion-dollar middle Sun families get together and create a project for man to Mars or sure. whatever, right? Asteroid mining. Why not? Why not? It's, a, it's, it's, it's slightly different, but it's math, it's science, it's manufacturing. Mm. It just needs these visionaries. They're not there. But do you think that long-term vision that companies in the U.S. have, right? Like Amazon, for example, Jeff Bezos, and then in China. And then isn't it more short-term thinking in Europe? Yeah. I think everyone's very comfortable. Mm. Everyone is. And this is funny because you have a rich family office uh, wanting to invest money in startups, but... This generation of family office would not want to sweat. Uh, wherein, uh, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, that's a problem. I think where America and these entrepreneurs are looking at, like in America, in China, people have a 100-year play. Sure. Yeah, they're fine. They're, you know, they, they have a 100-year play for everything. Mm -hmm. In the U.S., Bezos has a 20-year plan. He's clearly not driven by the markets. He mm -hmm. is doing it on his own money. Mm -hmm. He doesn't care. Elon's doing it on his own money. He doesn't care. Mm. So where are those visionaries here? True. If people are happy, even I got a billion bucks, what do they do? They buy properties. Are you going to die? What's going to happen? You know, those properties are going to be rotting. Right. How much money do you need to live? Right. I think there is this, this false sense of, I have money and I have the house in Ibiza and I have this, this Ferrari car. I'll buy six more Ferraris. That's fine. I mean, that's not how true game changers mm -hmm. think. Right. Elon doesn't, didn't even have a house. He used to live in Larry, uh, Larry Page's house when he came sure. down to the valley. Sure. You know, he sometimes didn't have cash. Right. In the early days, he almost went bankrupt. That's I mean, true. He, I mean, after he sold PayPal, he could have just enjoyed the rest of his life. Absolutely. But they went and they invented and they changed the world and they created an ecosystem. There's no ecosystem here. And that is the problem. The rich people are happy buying another house in Switzerland, another house in South of France. And, and sh that's... That's so shallow-minded. So obviously, they're doing injustice to the next generation. Okay. Uh, so I but, think that's that's a that's a challenge I see here. But do you think the next generation, like the young entrepreneurs, they if they have the right mentors with the right mindset of thinking bigger and not once you made money and buy a property, but really invest, that could be a possibility. Of course. I mean, you look, just came from the our Kairos event in Venice, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's gonna happen. I mean, if you look at Peter Thiel, he's German. Right. Sebastian Thun is German. Mm -hmm. These guys are changing the world in their own ways. Right. So it shows that the infrastructure, the DNA of people here, the younger people is really, really solid. Mm -hmm. And there is a will to change. There is a 
aspiration to make a difference. Mm-hmm. It's not about money. And I think, yeah, I, I, I believe the generation under 30 in Europe, uh, they will be, I think that we will have the next Mark Zuckerberg. We'll have the next Larry Page or Elon Musk coming from Europe as well. It's just generation, they are seeing what's happening, they are mm-hmm. learning, and they will adapt it to local strengths right. to bring that success. Okay. I'm, I think I'm modestly confident about it. Okay. 10 years from now, will you still live in Europe? What would Europe be in 10 years is the question. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question, Nojizal. So... What do you think Europe will be in 10 years? I think I don't... Don't measure my life in 10 years. I just... Okay. I will be where I can make the most difference. Okay. So, if it's Europe, then it's Europe. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I almost feel like a digital nomad. Okay, okay. So, for you, it doesn't really matter, right? Okay. And today, especially in the interconnected world, mm. it's not about where you are, it's about what you do, it's about how you collaborate, there are the best tools that are coming out. And probably also what's your why. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, the why is very important. Okay. So, I think um, technology is my current why, but what what also is something I'm, I'm really curious about, really curiosity is, mm-hmm. is um, bio, the bio maths, as I call it, the bio software. Mm-hmm. I think we all are walking computers. Mm-hmm. We have um, a lot of, it's like software. We as human beings are software. And I want to, I'm very curious to see once computing becomes, you know, artificial intelligence, neural networks are becoming powerful, algorithms are becoming better, computing is becoming cheaper. Uh, that's a problem I would like to solve sometime in the future, health okay. through technology. Okay. Can we... So would you say like 100 years from now, what should people remember you for? I don't know. If you don't measure 10 years, 100 years, probably even. <laughs> I, I think I don't want to be remembered as an individual. I, okay. I want things that I do to be remembered. Mm-hmm. So I don't care if people remember me or not, but if I sure. able to make an impact. Okay. And that impact is what people remember. Like no one remembers who created email, right? That's very true. That's very true. But it has changed everything. That's very true. So... I think that's the kind of impact I would make rather than my personal self. I'm not okay. I'm not a very self, I'm a pretty shy person, so I'm not, not, not very uh, visible. You know, I, 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 that doesn't interest me at all. Visible. Okay, that's an impact. And last question, Vijal, for anyone of our audience who wants to become more innovative thinking, more like Silicon Valley, but in our European way maybe, <laughs> on a global way, um, what should someone do to become 10% more innovative thinking and someone who wants to become 10 times more innovative? I think one thing is when, you, when you're looking at solving a problem, do not solve problems in your backyard. When I say backyard, do not solve a problem that is plaguing, that you see in Germany, because it's not represented. Anything that you do solve a problem that you think at least scales this planet. Mm. You know, try to solve a universal problem, then you will probably, you know, and then you'll find interesting means to, to address it locally. Right. Think, think, you know, it's an old saying, think global from get-go. Okay. Do not, because today the world is so interconnected, mm. uh, do not think just because it won't, if you think your idea is strong, pick a market where you think it's applicable. It could be Africa, it could be a small country in Eastern Europe, it could mm-hmm. be a small state in America. Uh, but yeah, do not let geography constrain you. Okay. And we have enough capital okay. today. Okay. And for anyone who wants to come 10 times more innovative thinking? I think the... F- 
to drop a lot of use listings. <laughs> okay. I think we have a lot of distractions today. Mm. So if you want to be 10 times more innovative, you've got to drop things that slow you down. Okay. So that also means processes Anything. company. Yeah. And even if you... So you think, have to make a, like a list of things that slow you down. Yeah. You could even like, I spend two hours a day eating food. Right. Could I bring them down to one hour? Right. Could I mix up my exercise with my work? Right. So if you optimize time, but yet achieve your goals, it frees you up to think more. And I would say read lateral topics. When I say lateral topics means do not read stuff in your industry. I think that's very inward looking. Read stuff which is completely lateral. So if you're doing engineering, maybe read stuff on Bulgarian philosophy. I don't know. It is something that, that it's an exercise for your brain. Right. It, it's not that you're learning about Bulgarian philosophy. Absolutely. It's like how you work out, right? If you work out the same muscle after a point in time, you don't see progress. Right. You've got to give, you know, today you do yoga, tomorrow do mm. Pilates and do weights. What are, what is something lateral that you're currently reading outside? Your I'm book? actually, I just bought um, Bill Bryson's new book. Okay. Uh, it's called, I think, In the Body. Mm -hmm. uh, I like him. I don't know if you know Bill Bryson. Uh, he's... He writes about travel logs. Okay. And I think it's called, I, I might be missing the name, but it's about very nice way of understanding the human body. Okay. And that's what, I'm very curious about the human body because it is it reminds me of software. Wow, that's fantastic. And it's very well written. It's for dummies. I'm a, I don't think I'm a science doctor. Right. But it's a fun way to understand what life is, what blood cells are, what diseases are. And I just picked it up and it's just been spellbinding. Fantastic. Vijal, thank you so much for being with us. I absolutely enjoyed the discussion. Thank you, Kareem. My you, pleasure as always. Hope you had also a good time. Fantastic. Very inspired uh, as always with you, Kareem. <laughs> Fantastic. Then have a good one and see you soon. Yeah. Thank you, Kareem. Bye -bye. Have a lovely day. Yeah. Bye.